When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. Everybody, welcome to another episode of After Impact. I'm your host, Tom Bilyeu, and I'm here with none other than Agent Smith. Mr. Bilyeu. What is up, my man? Happy New Year. Happy New Year, dude. Yeah. Very excited to be back. I'm literally, I was chomping at the bit. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the time with the family. It was absolutely amazing, and I was hit with a wave of melancholy when everyone left, which I am not normally subject to. Interesting. But I am so excited to be back at it. It was a good break. It was a long break. Yeah. I didn't anticipate that, and I just thought, okay, this is a regular kind of holiday break. And then I remember feeling, wow, it's really been long, and I feel very rested and yeah. relaxed and ready to get back ready at it. Ready to rock, man. Yeah. So here we are. Here rocking we are. And rolling. After Impact. This is yes. a special one today. It is. It's the new year. It's the first After Impact of 2018, and it is uh, about our clip show. Yes. Which is how to level up your life in 2018. And this is really just a compilation of r- the best advice from 2017 episodes. Yes. The very best. Did you? What were some of your favorites in there? Oh, from the clip show? Yeah. Um, the, the overarching thing that I hope you're going to ask me about, maybe not, but I'll bring it up now, hey, um, is how each of these people, we're just like normal people. Mm-hmm. Maybe the one person in the clips that I was like, all right, admittedly, this guy is a little different than your average cat is Naveen. Yeah. But like these are people that the more you get to know them, the more it's like, you just buy into it does not matter where you start. And look, yep. Naveen's story is even more like that. But he's got so much like joie de vivre and he's so energetic. It's <laughs> yeah. like very tempting to say, okay, this guy is the outlier. Um, but the the fact that they've all achieved extraordinary success in some way or another and all of them are like, look, it doesn't matter where you start. You just have to keep going, keep yeah. grinding it out, keep like pushing every day. And I think Jessica O'Matthews really captured it the best when she was like, who the hell am I? You know, to think that I can start an energy company or to think that I can build wealth in a community. Like, who am I to think that? And dude, I've felt that so many times in my life that it's one of those things that when I hear it from Steve Jobs, right? When he says, oh, the things you see, the infrastructure, the freeways, the buildings, the... Um, the entities, whatever, all the things in the world that you look at with admiration and wonder and awe, it was all created by somebody not much smarter than you. When he says it, I'm like, yeah, motherfucker, but you're really smart. Right. So like, <laughs> that doesn't help. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. So hearing it from a litany of other just amazingly successful people that feel so relatable to me, yeah. um, it's amazing. And it is so true. And it's really the one thing I hope people take away from my story is... Anyone can do it. And that's something that Jay Samet really drives home as the last part of the clip show is that um, these people are no different from you are. 
And a lot of people actually commented that uh, on that in the YouTube uh, comments. So that was good to see that that really struck a chord with people. Mm. So what do you think then, like, how do you get over that gap? So this is, I, I hope one of the things that I've become known for is you really just decide. You really just decide, dude. Yeah. You just decide I'm going to believe it, right? So my obsession, and so working on the book now and the ghostwriter that I'm working with really pointed something out. She's like, you have this weird duality where you're like obsessed with the truth, your whole thing about principles, like you need to know really objectively, like what is real, what is true. And then she says, in the same fucking breath with no sense of contradiction, you'll say, discard the truth, it doesn't matter, do like so do and true. believe that which moves you towards your goals, yeah. regardless of whether or not it's accurate. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, like it's <laughs> like those are so compatible to me. You start with the truth, really figure out who are you, where are you, what are you capable of right now? And then the believe part has to do with one thing and one thing only, that you are capable of learning. That's it. Mm -hmm. So what I want, the reason that I tell people to, like stop worrying about what is objectively true. You're something like five times more likely to believe something negative than you are something positive. Okay, also things that rhyme, I forget the actual number, but it's something as specific as 72% more believable when it rhymes. Like, at, come on. Yeah. The fact that you're more likely to believe something negative and if it rhymes, You've got to know, like, there are just these cognitive biases at play. You're not able to perceive objective truth yourself, right? right. Which is why I'm obsessed with principles, because it's the truth coming from the outside. Right. People in aggregate telling you how you really are. So, but internally, you're just more likely to believe negative shit, like, true. So, because of that, I don't want people to get focused on that. I just want them to, meaning I don't want them to believe the negative voice in their head, which they are prone to do. So, when I say, like, the truth isn't the thing to be obsessed with. It's because I know you can't actually tell what's objectively true internally. Mm -hmm. So until you have an ecosystem that you've cultivated over a very long time of people who really give you the truth based on metrics, like you're just better off deciding, to bring it all back around, deciding to believe that you can do these things. So deciding to believe that Steve Jobs is not smarter than you. Deciding to believe that Jessica Matthews can do whatever she sets her mind to. Deciding to believe that you can do it. So it really is that decision. It is a binary thing. It happens from one minute to the next. It is not a process. It is literally, okay, I'm gonna decide to do that which, and believe that which moves me towards my goals. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, that reminds me of um, part of what Mel Robbins talks about in her little bite in this episode is tiny decisions. Mm. And she says that <clears throat> all these tiny decisions can take you really far off track. And then you look back and go, how did I get here? Um, so, and most importantly, how do I get back over there? Exactly. If I remember her exactly. Yeah. So how do you become aware of it, that you're making tiny decisions every day that are not advantageous to helping you grow or to getting toward your goals? And then how do you change them? So just, I really want people to hear the consistency in my answers. It is exactly what I just said. You have to decide that that's true. So you're going to decide that you're making tiny little decisions that move you away from your goals because in accepting that, even if you can't yet see it, you're more likely to move towards your goals, right? So only the paranoid survive. You really have to be looking all the, the reason that I am intoxicated beyond all reason and measure by the principles is I fully understand and embrace 
that I can't see the truth well enough to execute on my dreams. I just know that. I know that unless we come together as a collective to really hold each other to a standard of excellence, point out where we're slipping, to identify where exactly we're slipping, and then do our best to give people empowering information so they can make the changes that they need. Like, if you're able to do that, then you're you're just way more likely to be able to execute. And so you've got to recognize that as, as just like an objective fact, right? So regardless of whether I think I'm making these little decisions, I just follow Tom's logic and that makes a lot of sense. That I will then be humble, I will open myself up to the opinions of trusted people with credibility in that area. This is not a democracy, this is not go and take a bunch of votes from wherever you can get them and aggregate them together. It's not that. It's looking at people that have believability, cultivating a relationship where they're gonna give you the truth, and that you're then going to say, okay, I know that I'm not likely to figure this out on my own, so I'm gonna take this advice. When you make that decision, you prime yourself now to be really successful, but it is just a decision that you make because you think it's more likely to take you to your goal. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Going over to Jason Maiden, switching gears a little bit. So he talks about one, one idea that he said was you have to slow down and be present and acknowledge people in the world in order to find the balance between the light and the dark. So I want to ask as a busy entrepreneur, how do you find time to do this or what does that look like for you? Well, it's interesting. Um, I... I took in Jason Maiden's advice like anybody else. Like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Like, mm. that's one of the things that I probably could be doing a lot better. Um, there is a, an adjunct to that, though, which is that I schedule in time. In fact, 2018 is my year of no. So 2017 was my year of yes, right? And people heard me say a lot. Always say yes, always mm -hmm. say yes, always say yes. And that created a lot of momentum for us. Mm -hmm. And now it's creating problems. And so that's one of the things that... Again, I really hope people pay attention to the nuance of what I say and do, um, and they don't get lost in like dogma. I'm not dogmatic, and so I'm always looking for ways to change my thinking, either because I learned something new or because the context shifts. Mm -hmm. So the fact is, I needed to say yes in 2017 to create the momentum, um, and anybody looking at how our channel's grown, like we've just created so much momentum, it's crazy. And people are coming out of the word work now to ask us, like, how have you done it? And I'm super honored by that, that we're being recognized by people I didn't even know existed as human beings, and then certainly once I realized they exist, had no idea that they we're watching what we're doing. So that's been extraordinary. And the answer was we created a lot of momentum by collaborations, by saying yes to virtually anything, by going out whenever I could, meeting people. And now just assessing what's gonna get us to the next level, I can see that time is my just absolute critical factor. And I need to schedule the time to be introspective, to be quiet, to slow down, to think, to do the deep work. Um, you know, to, to quote Cal Newport. And I think that is going to be super important for me this year is to stop and do that. So um, what does that look like in your schedule? Do you have a block of time every day? Yeah, every week? So I literally went through and created repeating things, which I didn't do last year. Yeah. Um, I never just had something sort of default, like I'm doing this quiet time, leave me alone. I tried to schedule it whenever I could a week or two in advance. Um, and now just when so on days where we shoot content, I my schedule is a little bit more um, free flowing, and then on days where we don't shoot content, I have huge blocks of time just titled important things. Yeah. Um. And last 
time. I was doing that, like I said, a week to two weeks in advance. Now it is already set in perpetuity. Um, and then I'll go in and also add more time like that throughout the week, a week or two in advance mm -hmm. when I can. I, obviously, I don't want to block my schedule entirely with that. It's got to be finding that balance. Um, but it is you could actually pull up my calendar for any week in 2018 and you're going to see it. Yeah. I really have been trying to schedule at least one day a week for a couple of hours where I do that. And I've I've, it's slipped. It really has slipped. And I think it's because I've scheduled it on like Friday afternoons, yeah. which is a terrible time terrible. because you're trying to catch up with the week and make sure everybody's done. set up. You've got the unique role of managing yeah. people. So yeah, but I believe in that too. Just going into a room, a quiet room with a whiteboard or something and just thinking, what's the plan? What are the ideas? 100%. Um, let's talk about Goggins. We, we can't Goggins. talk about 2017 without Goggins. talking about Goggins. can't. I want to read a couple comments because people were, um, you know, touching on Goggins in the in the comments a lot. So the first one's from Ryan Shand. Seriously, that David Goggins video really resonated with me to the point where I watch slash listen to it almost every day. It has helped me redefine so many things in my life and actually got me back into running and focused on my own health. I'm down 110 pounds Whoa! in eight months. That gave me the chills. And going strong. Thanks, Tom, and Impact Theory for this ongoing content. You're making a difference. I love that, dude. Can I just quickly tell the story of how we got Goggins on the show? Yeah, please do. So we were considering another guest, and they were pitching it, and Goggins was like an ancillary character in that person's story. And so they're pitching this guy, and I was like, actually, that guy's really interesting, but... This like other Navy SEAL guy, get that guy. Like there's something about his mind that I am just absolutely blown away by. And this was before Goggins becomes Goggins. Yeah, like so this you, was. You kind of saw it early. You uh, were like, I won't there's something lie. Like, there. That guy yeah. has something special. There's no question. And so this was probably, this was almost two years ago. Wow. So this was before people knew his name. He was just like the Navy SEAL. From, yeah. He was written in that book. Um, living with a seal. And so people knew, oh yeah, that's the guy from that book, but like nobody knows his name. And so I said to Christopher, the guy that books the show, obviously you know that, but for everybody at home, Dr. Finesse, um, get that guy. Mm -hmm. And Christopher was like, but nobody knows who it is. And I was like, dude, you've got to find this guy. And so he started researching him. And then literally the second they revealed his name, Christopher was on it because he was looking for him. And yeah, we booked him and, and I had no idea. Like, I thought he was interesting. I had no idea that he would change me fundamentally as a human being. Yeah, that's cool. And I remember that episode and I sat down to watch it just having really no expectations. And I don't watch every interview. Sometimes I'm working in the back. Um, and it was it just blew me away. Like, it, everyone who was there was just like, what just happened? That what just happened? That was fun. Um, here's another comment. This is from Felipe Zago. The one that I resonate with the most is Goggins, his toughness and the things he faced and how he grabbed some strength from the dark side. I think we all have to spend some time there, like Tom said, but don't live there. It is dangerous. <laughs> Sometimes I catch myself too much on the dark side, and then I remember that spending 20% of the time there is not bad. Um, it has power over there. Start to build your vision. Your version of the Goggins today, it's not easy, certainly not beautiful as well, but it pays off. Thanks, Tom. Your content is just amazing. Let's keep the impact going on. Wow, love that. I want to ask you, because I, I noticed kind of looking back on our content this year that there was, a, there was a stretch there where you were really 
obsessed with the dark side, like yeah. the concept of it. And you were really kind of, you were asking a lot of the guests about it. <laughs> use this. No, it was cool. Um, cause it's interesting to get everyone's right. perspective. I want to ask you, has your thinking evolved at all regarding the dark side? No, um, I wouldn't say that it's evolved. I, I would say that I've got amazing now people to hearken back to who say it way better than I do, mm. um, who certainly lived it in a way that's just profound and we can all warm our hands on. Um, not the least of which is Goggins. I mean, he he's the poster child for this. Um, but, you know, I've been thinking about the dark side as the dark side since Tim Grover back at Inside mm. Quest. And he talked about, you know, what makes a Kobe Bryant or a Michael Jordan or a Dwayne Wade, what makes them extraordinary is they have a sickness and they need to win and that need to win is what makes them push themselves beyond anything that anybody would consider reasonable to sacrifice to give things up um and i i, I just think that that's true and that's why i go out of my way to say look you have no moral obligation to be successful that's not necessarily the life that you need to choose and my current obsession my man crush uh monday i guess um is ray dalio and he talks about that in his book. And he said, look, I don't know whether I've lived a better life because I've been so driven. I just know that it's the life that's true to me. Yeah. And I was like, dude, I love that so much because I'm not the right person for a lot of people to take advice from. I'm just not. But if you want to play on a world stage, if you want to be great, if you want to wring every ounce of potential out of yourself, I'm your fucking man. Because that's what I'm here to do. Like, that is the commitment I've made to myself in my life. And most importantly, that's what intoxicates me. Like, that, I am so excited by that notion. Like, I can even now, just explaining it to you, I can feel it taking me over again. Like, I am so into that. And because I love it, because it is my obsession, it's not like, it's not a bad thing. I don't like, I'm not going to end up on my deathbed and crying about the way that I spent my life. I just promise you. Like you can rehearse your deathbed, by the way, which I won't derail on that now. But like, if you're not rehearsing your deathbed, start so that you don't end up getting caught off guard because it is very much, um, you won't get all the nuance of the experience. You never will, but you can get 80% of the way there. Mm. So yeah, I, I, I would say for probably seven or eight years, this notion of the dark side has been something that I've relied on in acute moments. Um, so I don't know that there's been a, a grand evolution, but it's been amazing to see people that so embody it, give me the language with which to talk about it. Cool. I just wanted to check in on that because yeah. I hadn't heard you talk about it in a while. You know, it's interesting. It makes me want to hit more guests up. And the, the honest answer is, and people would never know this because of course we cut lame answers, but not a lot of people give great answers to that question. Yeah. So I've just been trained to stop asking it. Like I have a lot of other like really tactical questions that I'm fascinated by, but because when I ask, I don't get much juice, yeah. I just stop. Interesting. But let me tell you, when I get somebody on that yeah. I know, like let's go in. Um, circling back to Jason Maiden, there's another thing that he said uh, that I really liked. He said um, when he was talking about his sort of ascension in Nike that he f eliminated the reason for people to say no to him. Mm. And he did that by, you know, building relationships, um, figuring out how he could help them add value, but also by looking at his weaknesses and then getting better at them. And the first thing he said was, I was really good at drawing, but I was not a designer yet. And so I had to become a designer. I had to learn that skill, which is a different process. So... Gary Vaynerchuk has also been on our show, and he's famous for saying, don't try to improve in the areas where you're weak, just double down on your strengths. 
I don't know that we've ever talked about, about this, but I'd love to hear your perspective. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I do get asked this question um, in podcasts and stuff, and people usually frame me exactly against Gary. Um, I think Gary's amazing, man. I mean, look, yeah. at, at the end of the day, while I disagree with him violently on this point, I understand what he's saying, right? Mm -hmm. So what Gary's talking about is, if you want an immediate leg up, like leverage the things you're good at. And yeah. I get that. And he's absolutely right. My thing is you're never going to reach the levels of success that you want to reach if you only do things that you're already good at. Most people aren't already that good at anything. Yeah. So, you know, you run into where, and this is why you have to really be careful about who you take advice from. And I will say the same goes for me, right? So if you want a peaceful, stress-free, like Buddha-esque life, I'm not your guy. Uh, I would just, my advice would be horrific for that life. So Gary is, um, as far as I can tell, he's a prodigy. And if, even if all he did was learn early, then, you know, I mean, look, by the time he's what, 12 or something, he's pulling people's flowers out of their own yard and selling, he may have been younger. So it's like, it's crazy, right? Most people don't develop that quickly. So, but because he did, he looks back at his own life and says, hey, I was really good at this thing and I leveraged that. And so do that, right? Um, I, that just has not been my narrative. Like it, it is not the truth of my life. So I didn't show, the only thing that I will say, I got early wins and I've really developed it because it was like, whoa, a, I seem to get disproportionate rewards for investing time here. And B, it seems like it will be very helpful in getting me what I want is verbal skills. So I um, was just, I had an easier time doing it that first time. And so I got that little reward. And so then I really invested. And because I heavily invested in it, it now has this magnification effect. But look at the fact that I don't start doing camera work and really leveraging my ability to speak publicly until I'm 40 years old. So it's like, all the success that I had was before that. And it was all in areas of things where I had absolutely no natural inclination. So because I've been able to get good at things just through an inhuman amount of work, right? Going back to the dark side and being willing to do and suffer and all that. Um, I, I just know that's the truth. So you have to decide what do I want to get good at, right? Which needs to be something you care about, that you have fun doing, that you enjoy. It does not need to be something that you get early wins in or that is um, just unnaturally easy for you. It doesn't. It can be, and that's amazing. And whenever you can leverage it, it's great. And I've really enjoyed creating the content because I'm able to leverage this thing that I'm good at. But I think you know the truth of the statement I'm about to make. Behind the scenes, this isn't what I long to do, right? So it's fun. I enjoy doing it. It brings a lot of value. And that brings me a lot of satisfaction, but solving business puzzles has become my greatest passion in life. And that is not something I have any natural inclination for. Yeah. You guys know I have a very strict diet that I stick to, except for very special occasions. And I do that so that I can bring my best every day to what I'm doing. And a big part of that strict diet is high quality animal protein and my go-to source of trustworthy meats and seafoods with no added hormones or antibiotics ever is ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service that delivers 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood all directly to your door. I cannot recommend ButcherBox enough. When you eat ButcherBox, you are giving your body the best possible building blocks to work with so you can reach your full potential. You've got to take care of yourself at a cellular level if you want to hit your peak consistently. So ButcherBox is the key. Sign up at ButcherBox.com impact and get our special deal. ButcherBox is 
offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off, and that means you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com impact and use code impact to choose your free-for-a-year offer plus get $20 off your first order. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You will never be able to reach your full potential if you are riddled with stress and have a lot weighing on your mind. I can tell you from my own experiences with stress and negative thought loops, you have to find a way to work through whatever it is that's weighing on you if you're gonna have any hope of achieving your goals. Therapy can be an option for working through things and for an online therapy option that is super convenient and flexible, be sure to check out BetterHelp. With BetterHelp, everything is 100% online and getting started is quick and easy. A brief questionnaire matches you with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra charge. Get things off your chest, process through things with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash impact theory today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash impact theory. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you wanna have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. This 20, this sort of recap clip show would not be complete without having something from Michael Strahan in it, who was our very first very first guest. Which is just looking back on it, I still can't believe we got him as our first guest of the show, Um, which is just an amazing episode as well. And he has so many brilliant insights. One of the things that I love that he said in this, in this uh, little bit bite here is a perfect life without a challenge is not a perfect life. It's a boring life. Yeah. And I think, you know, we already know that you're not going to grow or achieve greatness without struggle, but talking about, it's not even going to be enjoyable without the struggle. You know, we don't, we don't really talk about that as much. So I want to ask like, where do you stand on this quote? How do you, how do you see that? So I really believe that the meaning of life, the very purpose, the reason that we are here, all of that is to actuate our potential. So we all have it. 
And by that, I mean that the way the human mind works, the way that it's wired is to adapt. So uh, you put the human body under stress and it develops muscle. You put the human mind under stress and it develops skills. So when you learn in a coordinated fashion, it is extraordinary how good you can get, right? Everybody knows, nobody's born an architect. Um, you have to learn that, you have to understand engineering and you know all the forces that make a building stand or fall. So people get that. And, but when you think about the amount of learning that had to go into being able to create these extraordinary things that we take for granted, um, it's just, it's unbelievable. So that's what humans can do. Now, to me, there is so much joy in that, in getting better, in that if, if you have an animal, a species, your nature, let's say, and you want to reward a species for doing a certain behavior that allows it to pass on its progeny, which is normally what's incentivized, um, you make the act very pleasurable. So if you want to have um, children and you use sexual reproduction, you make the act of sex pleasurable and then the Having children is just the knock-on consequence of the thing that is deeply pleasurable. So getting good, so good that you can master your environment, that is the thing that's made pleasurable so that that becomes the natural outcropping is the gaining of skills. So progress is the fundamental building block of happiness. And I first heard that said in a very pointed way by Tony Robbins, and it was one of those lightning rod moments where I'm like, holy hell, he is absolutely right. Like, the, if you want deep and lasting fulfillment, there's really two things. Get good at something, because that sense of progress is just unbelievably intoxicating. It's nature's way of making sure that we get good at things so we can dominate our environment. And then make sure that that thing that you're getting good at serves other people. If you do those two things, you will have deep and lasting fulfillment. But people tend to do one or the other. Right, So they want to get really good with no thought about who it serves, or they want to serve other people with no thought of getting good at something that's mm -hmm. unique. Yeah. It's really those two things. So I, I really do think that that is one of the most extraordinarily enjoyable things, acts in and of themselves, like getting good, working your ass off on something that you care about that serves other people. Um, that gaining of mastery is, is pure joy for me, and I think for most people. Yeah, and Michael says that, you know, he he had a lot of failures he's had in different businesses that he's had in his life um but that's kind of part of the part of the game and part of the fun so how can someone get better at sort of embracing the imperfection of life someone Man. who's like worried about failures 100%. Or, or setbacks here here is the and and everybody lean in because this is going to be the difference between you winning and losing in the rest of your life you have to come to understand, embrace, and love the fact that the way that we get better, and this is straight from Goggins, man, the way that you improve is through suffering. It just is. So Ray Dalio, pain plus reflection equals progress, okay? That notion of trying to avoid pain is a mistake. And one of the ways that I really began to learn this was I wanted to silence the negative voice in my head. And then I thought, actually, the negative voice while I'm more prone to believe it and it is a dangerous voice, it's also telling me something that if I can embrace and stare at and get better at that I can improve. So once you understand that the pain of not being good enough is something that's going to open your eyes to something and become a mistake, let's say, you know, to, to Strahan's point about imperfection and failing and all that, like the pain of that situation now makes you pay attention to it, reflect upon it, and allows you to actually get the skill that you want to actually improve. And if I could just get people to understand, your goal is not to campaign inside your own mind to believe that you're okay, that you're good enough. That's not the goal. The goal is to close your eyes, 
Imagine a world that you find wildly intoxicating and amazing, a world that you want to live in and contribute to. Then open your eyes and make that world come true through your actions. And that by gaining skills, skills have real world implication. Now, why do people not see that? I think that the reason people don't see that their skills have real world implications is they work in a job that is totally fucked up. They work in an environment where they are without necessarily even realizing it, part of the political problem that their fears and insecurities cause them to please their boss instead because they just want their job. And I've seen this even here in our small little universe as we're implementing the principles. People cannot separate identifying what's happening from what we're going to do about it. And tangled up in the act of identifying where someone is going wrong, their mind immediately goes where? I want to know if you get this, so I'm going to let this fucking pause linger. Where does Can you there, repeat the question? Yes. As you're trying, hey, something got fucked up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we go through and try to figure out who exactly messed up here. Mm-hmm. And when we find the person, we say, this is what you did wrong. You, you are underperforming in this. Mm-hmm. What's their immediate reaction? So far in our company? Yeah. I feel like people own up and say, yeah, I failed at this or I didn't do this well. Here's but the bad I, news. You're right on the majority, yeah. but we've had a couple instances and this I think is, is the near universal reaction. Am I going to get fired? Hmm. And, and that's where people go. Because, and they're not separating that, look, first you have to figure out what has happened before you can figure out what to do about it. And yes, you may get fired. Maybe sure. you're underperforming. Maybe this is not the job for you. Maybe you can never shine in this because you're not interested in putting in the work to develop to get better. Or maybe I'm not willing to essentially pay you to figure that out for God knows how long it's gonna take, right? But regardless of all of that, first separate figuring out what's happening from what you're gonna do about it. And because we have a job world where the consequences of getting fired are terrifying enough not being able to feed your family, not being able to keep a roof over the head. It's very stressful that people play to that. And it, what ends up happening is keeping my job is what I understand. Keeping my job is what I excel at. I don't excel at actually building something of value. And this is why I love entrepreneurship. It is do or die. Mm. And like right now, all of my own money is on the line for whether or not I can figure this problem out. And so because of that, I just, and look, I get it. Some entrepreneurs, they fall prey to hubris, but I think certainly the ones that survive, they are so hungry to know the truth. Nothing matters, not their ego, nothing else matters. And if they're really clever, they find a way to build their ego around being willing to figure out the truth and get out of their own way. So if we had a world where Everyone, and this is why I'm obsessed with principles, because principles is about the following. The truth is what matters. Metrics are how we're going to judge whether we're right or wrong. People have believability scores based on past success, and we're all willing to agree to be slaves to a standard and to metrics. So once you're there, it's like now you really get to see when I develop a skill set and put that skill set to use, I can actually move up because I'm able to do more. And I'm in an organization that only cares about metrics and truth. Right. So if I have a skill 
and it actually moves us closer to our goals, that is gonna be recognized and I'm gonna get in this self-reinforcing loop of, whoa, when I learn something, because I'm in a meritocracy where the best idea wins and I'm able to earn credibility that's stared at nakedly, or I can see, whoa, I didn't do well. It is a very real feedback loop of, I thought I knew, I didn't know. I thought I knew, I did know, right? And it's working and we're looking at the metrics. I think if you can put people on mass in an environment like that, people will find the love for developing their skill set that right now most people lose because they never get out of that insecurity loop of I'm going to be fired. And so I just need to get good at keeping my job. And I once heard that the three most destructive forces in the universe are a weekly paycheck, carbohydrates, and I forget what the third was. But those two I thought were so true. A weekly paycheck, meaning I prioritize keeping my job right. over results. Right. And then carbohydrates stand for themselves. But like, <laughs> dude, and, and that might be a clip to pull because I've never had to think through that before and really like get succinct about that. But that's my gut instinct is the the desire and i understand because it is deadly to not have income but the desire to keep your job stops people from really getting into a self-reinforcing self-reinforcing positive loop of acquiring skills that have real utility and putting that utility to the test and realizing the harder i work to get better the better i do and that's why when you look at a professional athlete like it's real man the points are on the board every day and they review the tape over and over and over, and there's yeah. just nowhere to hide. That's great. Um, curiosity is the most important trait, says Naveen Jain, also in the clip show. Um, intellectual curiosity. Is this something you look for in employees or cultivate in your employees? Um, it's definitely something that I long to find. It is not something I think that I'm good at looking for. I don't know, and if anybody has the answer to this, trust me when I say I'm all ears. In the hiring process, I don't know how to stretch it out long enough um, to find out whether or not somebody actually has intellectual curiosity. Because imagine you're in a job interview and I say, hey, are you intellectually curious? Right. They're going to say, of course, yes, of yeah. course they are. Always if been. you say, hey, tell me about some things that you're passionate about, one of two things is going to happen. Either people are going to rattle off the sort of pre-planned answer um, or maybe they're not able to articulate it, but it doesn't mean that it's not there. So I find that what ends up happening is when you ask questions like that, you filter for people who are excitable, which is good, and who are verbose, which can be useful, but doesn't always get to the truth of whether they're intellectually curious or not. Mm. Um, there were some people back at Quest who just grew up in unimaginably hard circumstances. And when I was asking them questions on the way in, they, they just seemed like they were dead inside. I'll be honest. And then once they're in an environment that wants them to seek things out, that wants them to learn, that encourages that, they, they explode and becomes amazing to see them learn and grow and how intoxicated they are. But I never would have known that on the way in. So maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just a current deficit that I have. I have a very hard time identifying that on the way in. And do you encourage it in your current employees? And if so, how? Yeah, I mean, you're probably the right person to answer this question, to be honest. Um, I, I certainly try, but I think that the ways are, are far too minor. So here's how I try to encourage that. Principles first and foremost. So we have a goal as a company. And the way that we're going to reach that goal is by getting better. To get better, you have to learn. So learning is encouraged here. Um, even little ways like 
from employees on down to interns, everybody gets a year subscription to Audible, right? Mm, so we want yeah. them to do that, um, to be reading. Uh, we share things that we learn. We're a group of people that um, culturally reinforce knowledge as being important. We talk about it, the content, obviously, yeah. all of that. Um, but I think ultimately, and this was something that I started to do at Quest, but I didn't know how to pull it off organizationally um, to really build a university, to to have people take time to learn not only their job, but just to learn. Um, so I think building that into the organization, not yet, we're, we're too early and survival is too much on our minds. Um, but at some point I could see five to 10 years from now when that really becomes a driving force and part of a benefit of coming to work here is, is really entering a university-like environment. That's cool. Um, I want to read a couple more comments. So this one is from Shanice. Uh, one amazing takeaway from this for me was Jay Samet essentially saying that following your dream doesn't take any more effort than going to a job you hate. Hashtag word. Love yeah. that. Uh, here's another one from Robert Ballantine. It's credibility with myself I'm concentrating on at the moment, and it doesn't come without pain and suffering of mind and body. And this channel is awesome for showing you the path to winning in life but you still need the courage and fortitude to be able to walk the path. The struggle is real. True. Here's a question from the YouTube comments. This one comes from Aaron Kaminsky. I'm looking to improve social skills in 2018. Any tips? Um, so I first just read the book Captivate by yes. Vanessa Van Edwards. It's so it's going to give you a much more eloquent, eloquent breakdown than I will. Um, but it goes something like this. There, there are tools and tactics to um, social graces and learning those and practicing those are, are pretty key. And I would say that, and this is talked about in Captivate, she talks about like pre-planning questions that you're going to ask people. So you're not just trying to think of them then and there because mm -hmm. uh, you're going to default to some pretty boring shit. So um, think about things you actually care about the answer. And it doesn't need to be just about things that you like. Um, I find that talking to people about what they're passionate about is is just amazing. Even when it's something you couldn't care less about, getting somebody in that zone where they're really amped up and mm -hmm. um, it, it's that's really incredible. So one of my cold openers is what are you most deeply passionate about? And I love that question, right? Yeah. It, it skips all the BS. People universally do something like, whoa, oh, I guess, you know, like you don't care about the weather, you know what I mean? Yeah. Stuff like that where they acknowledge, okay, this isn't normal. Um, so let me see. And then what's really fascinating is you're going to get one of three things. Either they know exactly what they're passionate about and they'll break it down for you and that's a lot of fun. Two, they have no idea what they're passionate about and so it's just like awkward and you know they're like, oh wow, I'm not sure. Man, nobody's ever like made me think about that. Yeah. Um, and, and that in and of itself is fascinating and you usually get this where they begin to reflect themselves and oh, I don't know. And Or third, where it's like you can see, whoa, like I've never really taken the time to ask myself that question, but I love that. And let me explore in real time. And they'll start like rattling some things off. And it's like, well, I really like that, but I don't know that I'm necessarily passionate about, huh, wow, I haven't thought about that since mm -hmm. I was a kid. But so it's any of those three responses is, is pretty interesting. So anyway, that's but one of the tactics. So getting tactics like that down become really, really important. So um, know that even that is like a sport and you can practice it. And I'll also recommend a YouTube channel called Charisma on Command. Yes, our boy Charlie. Charlie Hooper. Indeed. Good Who's content. been amazing and has given us a lot of great advice he that has. we have put to immediate use. He has. Yeah, so check out that channel. Subscribe out of love, if nothing else. But it's amazing content. Um, 
What what was your biggest breakthrough in 2017? Uh, researching Goggins for sure. And it's God, like what? Oh, that's only sort of true. That based on the content, yes, principles was the most life changing. But that was just a book I read. Yeah. Um, so if you'll let me answer outside the content, uh, we're trying to get him on the show. Get after your boy Ray Dalio. Um, that was the biggest breakthrough. That that's maybe the biggest breakthrough I've had in ten years. Wow. Um, so that that was just beyond earthquake. Um, Goggins from an episode perspective, researching him changed me. And it it didn't change me in that, like, oh, I'd never thought of that. It changed me in that it gave me like these really concrete images to hold on to, like even just being able to conjure up his image when I'm working out or mm-hmm. doing something that's really hard or exhausting, or I feel like I'm at my max. And I think, you know, just like Goggins said, when you think you're at your max, when you absolutely have given everything you could give and you don't have any more to give, you're 40% of the way to your max. Like even just little things like that um, were transformative. I always think about Goggins when I'm doing pull-ups because I find that pull-ups are like one of the most mentally challenging exercises for me. Interesting. Um, Not more than like squats or deadlifts? No. Or sorry, more than squats or deadlifts? No. All those other things are hard, but for whatever reason, pull-ups is just like, I really got to amp myself up for them. And so I always think about Goggins because he did however many tens of thousands Mm. of them. So. Um, what about though, like through the business, were there any big insights or breakthroughs just through starting this company over the last year? Yeah, we've had very tactical breakthroughs, if that's what you mean. No, I mean like things that made you rethink sort of your approach or your strategy. So, I mean, look, just go back and read the, or watch the content. And I would imagine most people right now have not cut up to the fact that my thinking has changed because I talked so much about, I'm a good leader, I'm not a good manager, and I have no interest in gaining the skills of a manager. And after reading principles, I realized that's just flawed thinking Mm. that I have to become a good manager. Um, And so that was a a watershed moment. Um, It was one of those where it wasn't like, oh, this is a lightning rod moment and I can demarcate my life before and after. But it was one of those that as I was reading principles, I realized, okay, yeah, I I had long had this like niggling feeling every time I said it that you may have to revisit that. (laughs) And look, I'm not dogmatic in my thinking. So I'm never worried about, oh, I've said something and are people going to, you know, say, well, you said this. Yeah, I'm sure I did. I'm going to continue to say new things and, you know, hopefully people, um, are interested in that being a journey and they only want to know what's actually the most effective. Right. Um, so yeah, that was one thing that um, was big. Reading that really gave me new insight into that. Working with you gave me insight into how what it looks like when it's done well. Um, and seeing that, whoa, like that actually, I get it now. Like that can be really, really effective and it doesn't just have to be grinded the fuck out and give people the side eye when they're not going as hard as you're going. <laughs> and You know what I mean? Like yeah. that there's a whole another way to approach it. Um, that was big, um, seeing my time management shift, which we already talked about in this episode, so I won't belabor it, but, um, that shifted. Yeah, there, this was, um, I think 2017, I can say definitively is the best year of my life. Uh, it was amazing. A lot of really cool insights, you know, like that we just talked about and, um, really bringing everything together for the first time. And I'm not going to lie, like having the funds to actually build what you want to build is insanely meaningful. And so being able to do things the right way and that I don't have to think short term, um, but that we're really making steps. Um, We've had a couple of our biggest financial months here um, in in Q4 of 2017, and that was amazing. Um, 
yeah, like really focusing on the algorithm is another thing, right? Like yeah. I had at the beginning of 2017, it was build it and they will come, right? And realizing that just making great content isn't the answer yeah. and that you've really got to understand the tools because we're a lot of what we do is on the back of something else on the back of YouTube on the back of Facebook and so me myself going in and learning the nitty-gritty of that stuff instead of just trusting other people has been huge um, and then this one is totally not self-serving but um, really having you step up to the plate as an executive in this company and, and welcoming you into that has, has been amazing for me. And I long for that. Like that's something like, I don't have a, I, I have no sense of it's lonely at the top. And that might be because I just welcome other people into that. Um, it's also obviously Lisa's 100% like parody with me in terms of being on the hook financially. Uh, so you know, definitely have a partner there, but seeing you like, and I've said this in the content before, and this is very, very true. I, I hired you knowing you were good, but not knowing what I had. Right. So like not knowing just how much you were prepared to give and double down and really get into it. That's been a lot of fun to discover that. Um, and, and hopefully in principles, we'll see similar things in other people now who are going to have uh, the infrastructure with which to really push themselves and shine. Cool. Well, thank you. For sure. Last question. Who's on your wish list for 2018? I mean, Ray Dalio is like just at the top. I had a feeling you are going to say yeah, that. 100%. <laughs> and look, we're, we've got a behind the scenes campaign. I know he knows my name. I know yeah. he's, uh, he's considered the show. Um, so yeah, I mean, that, that would be number one. My fantasy, even above that, is Barack Obama. Um, and I'm told not to dream that big. And I refuse to have my uh, dreams crushed down yeah. uh that that would be amazing and i think with each passing day he becomes a more interesting guest and and not even that's not political i'm not political and i'm the last person that would ever do a political interview um but i want to see like how he thinks about change now that he's got the whole rest of his life to live and can't be president again mm -hmm. you know so how do you make sure that your future is bigger than your past um, that would just be a phenomenal conversation to have. Uh, Jay-Z remains just somebody that I'm utterly obsessed with getting on the show. Yep. Um, and then we've got some people coming up, Tony Hawk, who I've just gone hard for that cake and, incredible. you know, fingers crossed, look, many a slip between cup and lip, but we've got a date. Um, so that would just be phenomenal to have him on the show. Somebody that's inspired me since I was a little kid. So. That's really cool. And if I could just plug, we have an episode coming up with Ryan Holiday in a couple yes. of weeks. That's going to be really good. Yeah. I was there live for that one and it is awesome. So. He's, he's amazing. Yep. Cool. Well, that's it for After Impact today. All right. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. I do really love doing these episodes. Thank you for submitting your questions and for all the feedback. It is absolutely, absolutely amazing. And hey, by the way, if you haven't already been, we have just been smashing it in our store, and I'm so grateful to each and every one of you. And if you haven't been yourself, go to shop.impacttheory.com. Get yourself some self signaling swag remind yourself to be legendary that's today's shirt for me all right guys thank you so much again for joining us if you haven't already be sure to subscribe share this if it's adding value to your life and until next time my friends be legendary take care 
Everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.